Okay, so today's daf is Kafdalid in Yoma. We are where we left off yesterday, which is uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight lines from the top of the Amud. Last word, Ba'e. Rabbi Avin, Trumatadeshin Bechama. How much Trumatadeshin is necessary to do? Okay, in other words, we know that they have to take a scoop of this uh, ashes from previous day and. Um, and place it on the side of the altar. The question is, how? What's the quantity? Quantitative factor. So, Rabbi, Rabbi, so Rabbi Avin is asking the question. Should we learn it from Chumat Maser? Chumat Maser is Maser Mena Maser. It's one tenth. In other words, should it be about ten percent? What's saying there? Omi Chumat Midian Yalfinala. Chumat Midian was one out of five hundred. Okay, so it was uh, you know it was it was a fifth of a percent. So it was uh, because one out of every five hundred was what was given. So uh, I guess that what is it point two percent? So the um, that's uh, so the question is how much do you have to how much do you have to take? So Tashima, come and listen. It says in two places the word vehirim to lift up. Okay, the first one is obviously a reference to the Chumat edition itself, the removal of the ashes. Second one vehirim is a reference to the. Um, as a reference to what's taken out of a korban mincha, the, the amount that's taken out of a, a korban mincha that's lifted up. So, malahalan, goes by the hand of the person. In other words, it's a handful. So, therefore, it's not really a, uh, it's not a, an abstract quantity. It's not, a, it's not a percentage of the amount that's on the altar, like you might think. In other cases, you make a truma, because the thing is, it's called a truma. So, a truma sounds like, you know, something that you take a percentage. Like, normally, you have trumat maser, you have truma. Different things means that you take a percentage of the total and give it to Hashem, so to speak. Here, it's not really a percentage of the total, but it's a komet. It is the, uh, it's the handful uh, that is separated, and that's the, that's the measurement. There are four avodot where a, per, a non-Kohen who officiates them will, uh, will receive the death penalty. It's not an actual death penalty by the hands of the Betin. It's a death penalty uh, by the hands of God. But it's a four avodot only. Not any avodah would be included. Only four. Zrika, one is throwing of the blood on the altar. Putting of any kind of thing that's burnt on the altar, which could include ketoret and could also include flesh of the korbanot. Pouring the water. And pouring wine onto the altar. Levi says, even Trumatadeshin, if a non-Kohen performs Trumatadeshin, also he's going to be liable for, as a non-Kohen officiating the service. And similarly, did, did Levi teach in the, his version of the Brite, Trumatadeshin, that Trumatadeshin is also included. What's the reasoning of Rav? That he doesn't include Trumatadeshin, he only includes these other four avodot. This is a pasuk in Bamidbar. Um, in uh, in Sefer Bamidbar, rather, not in Parshat Bamidbar, but uh, in uh, but when it discusses the uh, roles of the Kohanim, it says that you should guard your Kohuna for every matter of the Mizbech or la Parochet inside the Parochet va'avatem, and you should serve avodat matana etenet kunatchem. It should be an avodat matana, an avodah, a service that is a gift. I give your kehuna vazar kerev yomat, and any non-kohen who comes close to it will be will have to die. So avodat matana, it calls it avodat matana. It quotes the whole pasuk, but the main point was avodat matana v'lo avodat siluk. It has to be an avodah where you're giving something, not an avodah when you're taking something away. So that means that in all of these things, you're pouring something out in honor of God, or you're giving something in honor of God, you're burning something in honor of God. So all of these cases, it is 
Avodat matanah, it's a giving. But the siluk means a removal. So in the case of Trumat Adeshin, you're removing something. You're not giving something. And so therefore, it would not count as Avodat matanah. And therefore, Rav says it would not be, if a non-Kohen were to take the Trumat Adeshin, even though he's doing the wrong thing, it's supposed to be done by a Kohen, but it would not be Chayav Mitah. However, Levi does not agree with that. But we're not finished yet with Rav. Avodat matanah literally means giving? Or is it Avodat that has to give Right. So really in the Pshat, right, you're right. Yeah, in the Pshat, that's what it means. In other words, what you're saying is the pshat of the pasuk. The simple meaning of the pasuk is that Hashem gave it as an uh, as a gift to the kohani, right? But they're say, they're saying a drasha that it's that what what really counts as avodah when you're giving something to Hashem. That, so they're using it to drasha. So it's, you're right. According to the literal meaning, that might not be the pshat, but that's a lot of times true with these drasha. Now it says avadim. It says avadim in the pasuk avodatama. Which they take again, avodat tamah, because, because avadtem is avadtam, right? So again, that's not literally the meaning of the pasuk. Like they said, uchtav tam. Al-Mizuzot B'dachem. It has to be a perfect writing, but that doesn't, uh, that's not literally the meaning uchtav tam. It's just a drashah. So, oh, but again, avodat tamah has to be a complete avodah, which means it can't be an avodah that has another avodah. Now, why does he say that? Because when you do shechita, when you slaughter the animal, you're receiving the blood. You receive the blood, you walk the blood, you walk, then you throw the blood. So what's the final avodah that's involved is the throwing of the blood. Everything up to that point is called the avodah sheyesh achareya avodah. It's an avodah that has another avodah after it. It's a preliminary. Not, in other words, each one of those avodot, let's say if you had the wrong kavanah, would actually make the, the avodah pasul. But, uh, but the only kinds of avodot where a non-kohen will be chayav mitah for doing it is an avodah that is the fulfillment of the avodah, not something that is a step in the process. That's, that's what, the, what he's saying from the word va'avadim. Now the question is, why does Levi, Levi, how does Levi deal, well, where does he get the idea that Chumat Hadesha would be included in this list? Rabbi Rachmana l'chol dvar because it says l'chol dvar anything related to the mizbeach, meaning even removing the Chumat Hadeshin. What about Rav? He says that extra phrase, Lechol Devara Mizbeach, comes to teach you about the seven Hazaot, the seven splashings of blood inside the Echal, and also with regard to the Mitzvah. In other words, the, the Rashi explains, Whenever you have these special chataot, the chatat elem devar shel tzibur that we learned about in Masechet Orayot, where the korban is brought on behalf of the entire community they, because they sinned, or because they followed the bedin actually and made an error, or uh, when they with the Yom Kippur, when he brings the chatat of Yom Kippur and he splashes the blood towards the parochet, or uh, when the kohen gadol himself makes an error and has to bring the um, has to bring a korban and, and splash the blood inside the uh, inside the echal. Similarly, when it comes to the mitzorah, that they take the oil and they splash it towards the hechal and they also put it on him, right? So the, the sprinkling of the oil towards the hechal in that case also is considered to be an avodah. And then he says that's what it comes to include, but not chumat according to Rav. He'll say that, no, uh, I agree with you. That if a non-Kohen were to perform the sprinkling of the blood of those chataot penimiot, the chataot that are inside the echal, or if a, a non-Kohen were to perform the uh, sprinkling of the oil that is for the mitzvah, that this would also be a violation that's chayav mitah. However, I learned that from the fact that it says, lechol devara mizbeach. It doesn't just say devara uh, mizbeach, it says chol. So that teaches you everything. Virav, davar, lechol devar, should say. Lo Rav doesn't consider that an extra phrase, and therefore he doesn't learn anything new from that. So basically you have 
this basic machloket between Rav and, and Levi, which is that according to Rav, an avodah that, that will make a non-kohen chayav mitah is one that is number one. They agree. They agree it has to be an avodah that, is in and of, that stands alone, meaning an avodah that is reaching its, its end, is reaching the end point of the process, not a, not a step along the process. That's number one. Number two, uh, Levi, I'm sorry, and, and that's, uh, Rav says it has to be that, and it has to be a positive avodah, according to Rav. Levi says even avodat siluk, even an avodah that is a removal, but it's not instrumental to some other avodah, because trumat adeshen doesn't have to be instrumental to some other avodah, it, it, it stands on its own, the, 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 the uh, trumat adeshen, but it's a siluk, it's a removal of something. So according to uh, Rav, it wouldn't count, according to Levi, it counts. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why wouldn't it be according to Rav? Why wouldn't it be an avodah? You know what I'm saying? It, he's saying because it's a uh, yeah. He's saying uh, because he learned from that word avodat matana. He's saying the avodah of service, of giving. So it has to be something that you're giving something, not taking something away. Yeah, I know for some reason my WhatsApp is not my uh, my uh, what's it called? Is not working the Zoom. I'm not sure why. Yeah, so you put your, yours on. Yeah, because mine is not working. I realize nobody's able to sign on for some reason. I'm not sure why. So I don't need this. It's just for pretend. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, he's saying because it's not Avodat Matana. Because, oh, yeah, you could rest it on there maybe. Yeah. Because it's not Avodat Matana. It's not, a, uh, it's not an Avodah that is, uh, that is giving something. It's taking something away. So that's, that's the Chidush of Rav. In other words, Levi and Rav agree, with every, agree on everything except that Rav says that it has to be a positive thing that you're giving. And Levi says it has to be a, it doesn't have to be that. It could be a siluk also, a removal also will count. Right? That's the basic argument between Why can't we do a drasha as follows? When it says anything related to the Mizbeach, that's a general principle. And then it says, You could construct a logical thing called a klaluprat. We have klaluprat means if you have a general statement, then a specific. You always go by the, by the specific that limits the general. It defines the general. So we could say that against Levi and say, look, it says, but then it says, so that's coming to limit. Saying it's kind of, and that supports Rav. It supports Rav that it should not be an avodat siluk, right? Not a removal. Amar Rav, but the pasuk says olamibet la parochet ba'avadim. Then it says from inside the parochet, right? Umbeit la parochet, meaning inside the hechal ba'avadim, and you should serve el mibet la parochet with avodat matanav lo avodat siluk, meaning inside the curtain, meaning say inside the hechal. That's where you have an idea that has to be avodat matanav lo avodat siluk. Habachut lo avodat siluk. But outside it could be even avodat siluk. In other words, according to Levi, it's true that there's a concept that there's a difference between an avodah that gives something and an avodah that takes something away. It's true, but that's only inside the hechal. Outside of the hechal, there's no such distinction. And so it says, if that's true, avadim nami el mibet la paochetud avodah tamav lo avodah sheish achoyach vodah habachut velo avodah sheish achoyach vodah. But what about the fact that the word va'avadim we came to teach us? We said it came to teach us that it has to be an avodah that is complete in and of itself. That is not a step in the process for another avodah. And so that should only apply also inside the Heichal then, because you're saying when it says avodat matana that it has to be a giving of something positive, that that was 
um, only with respect to uh, inside the Echal, Levi is saying. Outside the Echal, anything goes. Even a removal could be an Avodah. So why don't we say the same thing about the, the idea that it has to be the last step in the process? Maybe the last step in the process requirement is only when it's inside the Echal, but maybe outside the Echal, every step, the whole Echa, the Kabbalah of the blood, the, everything should be uh, considered a, uh, an Avodah. Uh, outside. So it says, no, the word the pasuk comes and mixes it all together again. In other words, in that respect, the word goes on everything. That any kind of avodah to, be, to qualify for this prohibition has to be an avodah where you're at the end point of the process. It can't be a step in the process. However, whether, it could, whether a removal could be considered an avodah, that is the machloket between Levi and Rav. Inside the Echal, everybody agrees, seemingly. Uh, inside the Echal, even Levi would say that he recognizes that it has to be a positive, constructive thing. But outside, a removal could also be. Now, uh, what about an avodat siluk inside? In other words, not inside the, uh, not within the parochet, because it says the word parochet, meaning that uh, avodat siluk in the kodesh kodeshim would be, let's say, removing the this the um, fire pan that the kohen gadol leaves inside of the uh, inside the kodesh kodeshim. That that's what we're talking about avodat siluk. There, Levi is saying, I agree that that removal of the fire pan is definitely not considered to be an avodah. Right? It's, it's not an avodah on its own sake. So if somebody went in there, they're obviously not supposed to. Somebody went in and took it out, so that wouldn't be considered, there wouldn't be chayav mitah for that because it's avodat siluk inside. Let me bet la parochet. Inside, past the parochet means the inner sanctum. The question is, what about the heichal that's in between? Is it considered like the outside or it's considered like the inside? When you say past the parochet, what are you, really you're referring to the kodesh kodashim because the parochet is what divides the kodesh from the kodesh kodashim. So what about the middle state? So it says, well, there, but Livni, so the question is, what are we compared to? La Pinim shall we compare it to the inner inner, or La Chutz or should we compare it to the outer? In other words, the Hechal, where you have the Shulchan and you have the Menorah and everything, should we compare that to the outside and say, just like Levi would say outside, a removal can also be considered an Avodah? So too in the Hechal, removal of, let's say, Lechem Apanim or something. Whatever, they're going to talk about what? But uh, that could be also an Avodah. Or do we say no? Just like Levi agrees that in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the removal is not considered a, an Avodah, the removal of, let's say, the, the fire pen of the Kohen Gadol that he leaves there on, on Yom Kippur after he exits the Kodesh HaKodeshim, um, that that's not considered an Avodah. So maybe he would also say that the removal of things in the Hechal is not Avodah. The question is, what do we treat the Hechal in the middle uh, between the Kodesh Kodeshim and the outside part of the Beit Hamikdash, what do we Kodesh. consider that? Kodesh. The Kodesh alone, right? So it says Hadar. What? Right, but the real when they talk about Parochet, they're really talking about to the Kodesh Kodeshim. Yeah, when the Torah talks about Parochet, it's usually talking about to the Kodesh Kodeshim. And when it's sprinting towards the, it just says towards the not. Not the it depends. Parochet. If you're outside, then you're sprinkling in that direction. But if you're in the yeah, direction, with the not, co- right. on the then nothing goes on that. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. There's but. no other parochet. It's just doors. No. Well, in the two doors to the court, in the in the mishkan there was there, there, there was a oh, parochet. Yeah. yeah in in the in the mishkan there was a parochet between the the oh, outside and the kodesh. Mm-hmm. In the bet mikdash there were doors. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, but it's like a parochet. But really, what they're talking about is the inner inner. Yeah. So that later on he says, Hadar pashta, because it says, bet, right? It's, so it says, bet, it has the U, it has the extra um, a connecting term, which implies 
that these are, uh, it could have said, mi bet la but it says, ul mi bet la meaning the hechal is like the Kodesh HaKodeshim, right? So not only is the, not only is the Kodesh HaKodeshim a place where removal is not considered an avodah, even according to Levi, also in the hechal it's not considered an avodah, even according to Levi. So ela me'atav, that's true, zar shesilek et ha-shulchan So if that's true, if a, let's say, a non-kohen, right, uh, came in and took the uh, bread off of the shulchan, he should be, uh, he, he should be liable, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, right, since he arranged the bread on the shulchan, that should be considered an avodat, avodat matana, right, he's, put, he's putting things on the, uh, putting things on the table. So that, that should be considered what that says. No, because it's not complete in and of itself. Because as after he puts the bread there, he also puts the bazichin. We learned about those big spoons, two spoons full of the levona, right? So 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 it's not complete. So see there bazichin What about the guy who? So let's say a non kohen comes in and he puts the bazichin. That's the end of the process of setting up the shulchan. So shouldn't he be liable? Right, but the problem is that that's not the end either. Because why do you put you put the bread there and you put the bazichin there? But that's not really the end of the process. Because eventually, what do you do? You take it and you put it on the altar. You're going to burn that eventually on the outer altar. That's what they do with the bazichin. So it's not really not the spoon itself. They don't burn, but the the livona. So it's not really the end of the process. Then it's not really the end of the process because that's only pre. It's a preliminary eventually to burning it and burning it. Everybody agrees. Anything you burn on the mizbeach for sure. Or if a non-Kohen does it, it's considered Avodah. Now, what about a non-Kohen who sets up the Menorah? Now, there were three stages because what they did was, Rashi explains, they would take off the, uh, they did what's called Dishuna Menorah, which means they had to clean out the burnt, you know, you know how it gets, like when you, the Menorah of gets all the burnt, and, right? So they would clean it out every day and they would put it back. So the guy who puts the cups back on, that should be considered an Avodah because it's not an Avodah Siluk, it's Avodah Matana, it's a positive. It says, no, Ikanetinat Petila, you still have to put in the wick, so it's not complete. Natatila Lechayev, Ikanetinat Shemen, so even the putting of the wick is not enough because you put the oil. Natan Shemen Lechayev, Ikad Laka, what about the lighting, right? <coughs> so in the end, each thing is not sufficient in its own sake. So then, so he lichayev. So the question is, neither Levi nor Rav include on their list of avodot lighting the menorah, even though the Torah specifically talks about the uh, kohen lighting the menorah. It says it never says on either of their lists that a zar that lights the menorah is going to be chayav mitah. That doesn't mean that a non kohen is supposed to do it. We're saying would they be chayav mitah if they did it? So it says hadlaka lav avodai. We don't consider the lighting of the menorah to be in one of the avodot. Huh? It's a mitzvah, but it's not part of the avodot. It's a mitzvah. The says, the, the, the says uh, the, I give this to your, your generation. Yeah. Everlasting. But, but it doesn't mean that it's part of, it's considered seder avodot to do it. It's just, it's a mitzvah that they have. So if you take any mitzvah, of the, if you go and do birkat koanim, you're not chayav mitah. You're just doing something you're not supposed to. Right, but it's not. Uh, so avodah has to do with this bayah. <coughs> right, <coughs> me, exactly. So it's it's nothing related to the, the, the what? If the czar does it. It's punishable. That's what we're talking about. He said no. Not mitah, but any other punishment. Not that nothing from the bit. Well, first of all, it's not even from the bitim because even the mitah that they have is uh, mitah bidei shamayim. They don't kill anybody for for that. How is he even able to get in there? Uh, he knows the right people, you know. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Yeah, he can't win it. Win it, yeah. Who knows? He could have. Uh, he, who knows? Below is it true? Vatanya says in the right of the Bnei Aron, I want to go in. Ish alamizbech varuch etzim alaish. It says that the Bnei Aron have to put fire on the mizbech, right? And they set up wood. Limed ala atatat alita 
שלא תהל בכהן כשר בכלי שרת. It says that when he lights, they would take these little like um, kindling pieces that they would light. It says it should be done by a Kohen who is a proper Kohen, wearing Bigdei Kehunan, all of that, because that's considered to be uh, part of the Avodah, to do that, right? Meaning he has to wear his outfit. If he's a Kohen Gadol, he has to wear the eight Bigadim. If he's a... Uh, if he's a, uh, if he, he, that's what it means, cliche, right? It doesn't mean that there's a specific vessel for that. What it means is that they had to be wearing their uh, proper outfits, right? So, hatzatat alita avodahi. That is considered avodah. In other words, lighting the fire is considered avodah because it's part of the mizbeach. In other words, like you were saying, avodah relates to the mizbeach, basically, right? But hadlaka lav avodahi. But the lighting of the menorah is not in, under the category of avodah. That doesn't mean that it's a mitzvah. That anyone's supposed to do, just like Birkat Kohanim. It's not Avodah, that doesn't mean that it's not, uh, that it, that it's not restricted to Kohanim. It is restricted to Kohanim, but it's not considered part of the Avodah. Elamayat, if that's true, so according to this, let's say Yindan Kohen goes and he sets up the wood on the altar. That's one of the things that they have to do every, every day. They have to set up the wood on the altar. So it says, because even that is not enough, because after they would set up the um, the altar, they would set up the wood in a proper formation. They would put these two long logs on top of it also. So it's not complete in and of itself. Okay, so Sidir Shnegzirin Lechayev. So make that the Avodah. It says, no, Ika Sidur Evarim. You still have to put the limbs on the Mizbeach. Okay? So the, the point is that you could say that that itself is not really a, 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 an Avodah in its own right since it's only preliminary to placing the limbs of the uh, of the uh, korban on the mizbech, so therefore it's not considered the setting up the wood itself is not considered an avodah. But vaha amar avasi amar Rabbi Yochanan zar shesider yishnek zeretzim chayav. Didn't Rabbi Yochanan actually say that if a non kohen puts up the wood, he is liable? Vaha peligi. This is the machloket. More savar avodah tamahi. More savar lav avodah tamahi. That's exactly the machloket. Whether it's considered to be an avodah in its own right. In other words, according to and Rashi explains, he says, Rabbi Yochanan says that putting the wood is an avodahi because, because setting up the wood is considered an av- a, a stage in its own right. Now the Mizbech is ready. That's, that, that's the thing. However, you could say, no, that's just a preliminary for the placing of the Evarim. So and the placing of the Evarim for sure. If you're, you're putting the Evarim up there, that's for sure one of the Avodot because you're putting up a, you're burning the, uh, uh, the limbs of the, of the Koban. So that's, that's for sure one of the Avodot. So the question is, is the setting up of the wood an Avodah in its own right or not? Now we're going back to our issue of Rav versus Levi where Rav says the Trumat Adeshen is not an Avodah that requires, uh, that, that, a, that a non-Kohen would be liable for. And according to Levi, it would be. So we have a, um, we have a bright thought that support both. Right? Tanya kevatei de Rav and Tanya kevatei de Levi. Tanya kevatei de Rav avodot shezar chayav alayim. Because in this bright that says that these are the avodot that a non-Kohen is liable for. Mita, uh, that he's liable for the death penalty. Zrikat dam ben lifnim, ben lifnai velifnim. When it comes to throwing the blood, whether it's inside or all the way inside. In other words, even the per- if the person goes in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, certainly if he, if he throws the blood there on Yom Kippur, he would be liable. The person splashes the uh, blood of the Chatata Of, and you also have to do, uh, you have to squeeze it against the, um, when you have to squeeze the, uh, the bird korban's neck sometimes against the Mizbeach to extract the blood. Or if you place the body, now Chatata Of doesn't get uh, burnt at all. It gets just eaten by the Kohanim, but Olata uh, Of is burnt. So placing that on the wood, 
uh, to burn it would be a uh, would be an avodav amenasech or if a person placed the three log of water or of wine as the nisuch. Now, obviously, the water is only relevant to Sukkot, and the wine could be any time, right? But so you see that there's no Trumat in there, but there is a bright that supports Levi, because here it says that Avodot The first one is the person who takes the Trumat Adeshin, so that supports mm-hmm. Levi, right? V'sheva hazaot the seven hazaot inside, that's talking about mm-hmm. where, where you uh, splash the blood, uh, you know, the, um, the hazaot inside the hechal uh, of the korbanot that are brought um, into the Kodesh, the ones where the, where the blood of the chatat is brought into the, into the Kodesh, that's, the, the, that's Bifnim, Sheba Mitzoran, also the splashing of the uh, sprinkling of the oil of the mitzvah. Somebody put something on the mitzvah to burn. Even if he puts something that is pasul up there, meaning it doesn't matter. Anything that he puts up that is a korban is going to be, he's going to be liable for that. So that's, that you see the Braithot are arguing about whether Tumat addition is considered to be something that a non-Kohen who does it will be liable or not. Okay, that's, so you see the Braithot also argue about the same thing. Now, Lama Mephis. I believe we hold like uh, Rav that it's not. Really? I, I think that that's what the, uh, what the halacha is finally. But uh, does it say? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we hold like Rav that it's not. Now, um, but, so either way, non Kohen's not supposed to do it, yes, but it's sure. just a question of whether it would be Chayav Mita. So now it's, uh, we go back to the Mishnah. It said that there were four different lotteries that they did. And the question is why? Lama Mephisin, why do they have the, these lotteries? Lama Mephisin, what do you mean? Kedam Rami already said why they, do, why they do lotteries, so they don't kill each other, basically. You know, it's like uh, very obvious. Okay. No, but that, well, the question is, why did they do it four times? They regathered the Kohanim multiple times to do the one. Just do one. Right? Be, be, be practical. I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Kedilargish. Because we want to make a commotion, Rashi says, To see everybody gathering together again and again for another, uh, another division of labor, it, it, it creates a commotion. It, it's like a kavod for the avodah because it shows how excited they are to gather again to receive their next assignment and so on. So, so it creates a, a positive energy, we could, we'd say. Right in the in the Beit Hamikdash, and that's what they're doing. It's not a tzibur; it's just a bunch of guys working. That's it's not a tzibur. It's only a small group of kohanim. It's it's not a tzibur. Yeah, well, tzibur is because Torah tzibur is because you have like a bunch of passive people who are not involved, and they're watching five people do do bid on something. That's why Torah tzibur. That's that's these are all the kohanim. They're doing they're doing it right. So now it says Amar Biyochanan, Biyochanan said. Like I always said to somebody complain about the auction, I said, okay, so buy everything and then the auction if you don't like it. You know? <laughs> what? So what's the problem? Right? So it's in order to create emotion and, 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 and to create emotion and, and excitement in the Beit HaMikdash, that together we will formulate a... Namtiksod uh, means like we will share... Uh, uh, literally, it means to, to have a, a, a secret, but uh, but it means a sod means like a conference together. You know, we will have a we'll have a congre- we'll congregate. You know, like sod zarfekodesh. It means the group of the right. Uh, that's different. That's a secret. But here, sod means uh, also means a con- to congregate, like the sod zarfekodesh. You know, that's a, it's a group. So yeah, we'll have a bebet Elohim We will walk in the house of God with emotion. Right, and how did they do the lottery? Rav Nachman Amar be big dechol. 
Rav Nachman says when you appro- when you come for the uh, when you come for the actual lottery, you come in your big dechol because you don't know if you're going to be chosen or not. Maybe you're going to be off duty. You don't have to come in your uniform. Rav Sheshet big says no. You come in your big day, big dechol now because maybe you're going to be chosen. You can get right to work. Right, that's the question. It's not so, you have to change. <clears throat> what? Right. So, but, but if you're not doing anything for that shift, you would have to change anyways. Either way, you're going to have to change. Right? So I, should, you, should you come in assuming you're not going to be chosen, and then if you have to change, you do, or you get changed into the uniform and you might have to take it off because you weren't chosen. The bench are all dressed we up. Ju- we just uh, that's true. We just Here it's different. In, well, in the uh, well, it's going to explain yeah. where. Oh. <laughs> it's going to explain where. So Rav Nachman, I'm a big dechol. Rav Nachman says, we're big dechol because I'm a big dechol. If everyone comes in their uniform, you're going to have the following problem. A guy who doesn't get chosen in the lottery is going to be like, I'm dressed already. I'm going in before you. I don't care. You know, he's going to be balez ro'ot. He's going to force himself in. Uh, on the other hand, Rav Sheshet says, no, but Big Day Kodesh. So in other words, by, by not having them come in Big Day Kodesh, the benefit is only the people who are chosen will now go into the dressing, be allowed in the dressing room to get ready to become to deserve, so that the person who's not chosen won't be allowed in, and it, it's it's control. Rav Sheshet Amar Big Day Kodesh. Di Amar Big Day Chol Agav Chavivutei Mikuvavdei. The concern, according to Rav Sheshet, is if you allow them to come for the lottery without. Uh, without having the proper clothing on, so then what will happen is that if somebody gets chosen, they may be so excited to go do their mitzvah, they're going to forget to put the they forget to put the big day kill on. They're going to run and do it, and that would be bad. So he says they should come dressed. Okay, now Where do I get the idea that they should come the big day They should come in jeans and t-shirt. We'll change afterwards if you if you need it, right? How do I get that? Because it's not it says in the Mishnah, Misaron the Chazanim. They would hand them over to, after the lottery. It says they would give them to the chazanim. It doesn't mean the singing chazanim. That means the chazan means the shamash, the person who's taking care of everything. They would hand them over there. And, uh, and they would take off their clothes. And they would only leave on them nichnasayim. They'd only leave on them pants. Now what does that mean? My love... So we're turned to Kafe Amud Aleph. In other words, he's saying that what would they do? They go to change clothes. In other words, it's describing that since they got chosen, in other words, if they didn't get chosen, they just leave with their clothes on because they're wearing big dechol. If they were chosen, so now they have to come in and they undress them and they just leave their pants on. So then they're going to put on their big dechol and eventually they change, but they don't, meaning they don't completely strip them right away. They do it in shift. So, you know, I mean, they take off part while leaving the lower garments on and then they switch that. That's what it's describing according to Rav Nachman. Amar Rav Bar Yehuda. Rav Bar Yehuda said, Amar Rav Sheshet. And then Rav Sheshet, Lo! Bautan Shelo Zachur Lepais. That's talking about the people who lost. That's not talking about, in other words, the people, everyone came with their big day keonah, and the people who lost have to take them off. It's not saying that the people who won have to change into them. It's saying that the people who lost have to take them off. And I'll tell you a proof. How could it be if it's talking about the people who won, who won the lottery, right? So then how could they leave their pants on alone? Nothing is supposed to be on before the pants. In other words, if they were getting into Big Day Kehuna, it wouldn't make sense for them to leave on their pants and then put on the pants last. Because the pants are supposed to be first. Right, Talmud Lomar, umechnese bad yual b'sor yil b'sor should be right. That it, that that, it, that he puts on mechnese bad. It says al b'saro on his flesh, meaning the first thing that he puts on is supposed to be the pants. We learned that earlier. So what does that mean? That shows you 
that this can't be people who are taking, who are putting on Big Day Kahuna, because if they were wearing jeans and t-shirt and they're putting on Big Day Kahuna now, so then uh, they, they wouldn't leave on their pants, their jeans, and, and change, and then change the pants last. It would be the opposite. So you can't be right. It must be that these are the people who are taking off Big Day Kahuna because they are not being chosen, and the last thing they take off is the pants. So they put on their regular clothes, and the last thing, it, because they probably had a hanging tunic that would cover their lower body, or so I, I don't know, maybe, and so they, or maybe because the fa- first thing you put on is the last thing you take off, or whatever the reason is, but they would, they would end up doing it that way, according to Rav Sheshit. Rav Nachman doesn't make sense, because according to Rav Nachman, they're putting on the Big Day Kehuna. So how can they leave their jeans on until the end of the Big Day Kehuna are put on? The Big Day Kehuna, the pants have to come first. Vidach, he'll tell you, no, halakasha, uh, that's not how I'm reading it, because achikatar is what it means, ad she'odan alehen Big Day Chol, what it means is that they would put on the Bichnasayim first. In other words, they were changing from Big Dechol into Big Dechuna, according to Rav Nachman. What it means that they would leave on the pants is meaning they would put on the pants of the Big Dechuna first. For the people who won the, the uh, lottery. And then they would cha- leaving on, let's say they had a t-shirt and uh, whatever else they were wearing on the upper body. So they would leave that on. They would just change pants first. Yeah. And then the rest of the Big Day Kehuna. It doesn't mean they would leave on their jeans and change the rest of their clothes to Big Day Kehuna and then pants. It means that they would put on the Big Day Kehuna on the pants first. And then they would change the rest of it. They wouldn't fully undress, is the point, and then put on Big Day Kehuna. They would do it in a stage where they first put on the pants and then did the rest. So basically, according to Rav Nachman, you have people switching from their Big Day Chol to Big Day Kehuna when they get chosen. According to Rav Sheshet, you have people switching out of the Big Day Kehuna when they are not chosen because they're not going to have to wear the Big Day Kehuna and it's unnecessary. Right? So that's the... Uh, and as I had mentioned a couple of days ago, or maybe it was yesterday... Uh, there is a machloka between the Ravad and the Rambam about wearing the Big Day Kehuna when you're not doing the service. According to the Rambam, if a person's not doing the service, they have to, they, they're not allowed to walk around wearing the Big Day Kehuna because since it has Shatnez, and the only thing that permits them to wear the Shatnez is that they're doing the Avodah. If they're not actually doing the Avodah, then they have to take off the Big Day Kehuna. They're not allowed to walk around in it. Okay? The Ravad said, no, as long as they're in the Bet HaMikdash and they're available for the service, they could wear the Big Day Kehuna. But, uh, but if they're, you know, but they just can't leave the Bet HaMikdash wearing the Big Day Kehuna. This seems to almost support the Rambam a little bit because it seems like they had to take off the Big Day Kehuna, according to Rav Sheshet, which is the Halakha. They had to take off the Big Day Kehuna um, in order to do the, uh, if they weren't chosen, um, to do the service. Probably there was no concept like today we have to be dressed up in the honor of Shabbat. Yeah, or the honor of, like, uh, I was thinking... Well, that's the thing. Here, the, the, they're only allowed to wear the clothes when they're doing the avodah. That makes the, the that makes it special. It's like from, from a practical sense, is. Uh, I'm not saying he's really going to come jeans and t-shirt. Maybe he came in a suit. You know. No, but, but. if the kohen, I, I mean, all of a sudden somebody walks in the and he has a korban to bring, and uh-huh. the kohen is, you know, what I'm saying he he changed to his, back to his clothes to his regular. Oh, there is one guy coming in and. You but know, so I think I assume that right. That's a good question. Yeah, I assume for the rest of the day. In other words, this part is just for when they are doing the avodah, the the standard avodah of the day. But then I assume that they had to have kohanim that were ready and dressed for everyone else who was coming in for the rest of the day. Yeah, 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 for sure. Right, of course, of course. This is this is talking about the beginning because remember they first had to do all the regular avodah of the day, everything in the morning before you were allowed to bring the personal korban out. So I assume. That first they would do this, and then they would 
they would assign people to the ongoing. Uh, it's going to talk about it later. How the ongoing they would reassign. They would reassign people to that. But we'll we'll see now. Um, the, uh, okay. So what is saying? Where do I get the idea? And, and of course, Rav Sheshit is the one who says that they wore big day kill, not for the lottery. Right. This is a basilica, like they say. To, you know, it's like it's a Greek word, obviously. But anyway, the Lishkat Gazit, the Yun Stone Chamber, which was also where the Sanhedrin met. It was like a big building, so they they describe it like Rashi will describe it. But it's a basilica. It means it was a fancy building. That where they would on the eastern side of the chamber they would do the lottery, right? And the and the elder, like a Talmud Chacham who would be dealing with halachic issues, was in the west of it, the western side. Koanim were in a semicircle, and they would stand like they would stand around like a circular uh, shape, right? And the, the chief who was going to uh, do the lottery would come, and he would take the hat, the mitznefet, the turban, off of one of them. And that's where they would start the count. In other words, we know that how they would start the count is they would count the fingers, right? They would stick out the fingers, they would count the fingers. So what they would do was that they would choose a random number. Rambam says it could be any number, 100,752, I don't know, any number. And they would, and then they would start counting, and whoever it fell on would win the first lottery. That's how they would, that's how they would do it. Sometimes people do stuff like that today too, especially kids. Then they're choosing, you know, who's going to get something. They have, pick a number, and whoever it falls on is the one that's going to win. So they would, um, they would do that in, in this Lishkata Gazit, which is normally like the judicial chamber. That's how they would, that, that's where they would do it. But how would they signify who was going to be number one when they're counting? Let's say they have to count up to 752. So they're going to say one, two, three. Where are they going to start the count? From the guy who, they, he takes off the turban. He randomly chooses somebody, takes off the turban. But what do you see? He's wearing the mitznevet. If, if we're talking about people are coming in wearing their regular street clothes, so how does this guy wearing a mitznevet? He's wearing a turban and the, uh, it's the Ben Ishchai, maybe, <laughs> you know, but otherwise, you know, what? Right, that's what the Gemara is going to answer, but I'm saying that on the, the, the simple, Rav Sheshit is saying from this, it sounds like they were wearing big day Kionabuka, saying he takes off his mitznefet, so obviously he's wearing his mitznefet, right? So it says, but no, we could have shelchol, because if a, a Kohen's mother made him a special tunic to serve, Oved he's allowed to do his own korban. Let's say he wants to bring his own korban, he could wear his own shirt. In other words, normally the big day Kohen are bought by the communal funds. You know, the communal funds. But let's say the mother wanted to make him one of the big day Kohuna from home. He has a homemade big day Kohuna. So he's actually allowed to wear it because he's not officiating as then, uh, you know, representing the community. He's officiating his own korban. He's allowed to officiate because he's a Kohen. He's allowed to wear the, the, the garment that his mother made him. But, right, for his own personal korban. Right, he's allowed to, but not when he's working for the community. In other words, it would be like, uh, you know, he, he's not allowed to do it when he's working in his official capacity representing the community. But if a Kohen wants to bring his own korban anytime, uh, he, you know, he could wear this tunic. But the point is that he could also have his mitznefet brought from home. His mother made him a special mitznefet. It's not the one from the communal fund. She wanted to make him his own. It's, uh, it's okay. So it could be that the guy was wearing a mitznefet that was his own from home, and it was big dechol. However, the, uh, the pshats would seem to be like what Rav Sheshet says, which is that they were wearing big dechol when they did the lottery. And the halacha is brought like Rav Sheshet, that the, the Rambam says that they would come in big dechol and, and, and whoever was not chosen would remove the big dechol 
afterwards and go back to street clothes.